Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, we took some really, really great vacations when I was growing up in my house. I mean, uh, we lived in Kansas City, Missouri, that area, and, and so we would head west on our vacation most of Although, when I was in seventh, eighth, seventh or eighth grade, I can't remember. We made a, a, a big trip to New England. We made our New England trip and drove up here and drove all over New England and seeing the sights and all that. And it was interesting because I just, just, just recalled this. My dad, um, it was still left because you remember Howard Johnson's? You know, there's still a very few of those around, but they, you know, they had their restaurants. And so you'd find one of those and we'd eat. And I ordered a hot dog every lunch, every supper. And my dad started trying to egg me on. I said, order one for breakfast. Order one, but I never did. I just was too chicken. But anyway, great road trips. I remember going out to uh, South Dakota and the Badlands and all of that stuff up there. Uh, going down to the Grand Canyon, seeing that kind of stuff. All through the, the West and the Rockies. Uh, just really neat trips. But if you want to get there... You either got to get in the car and go to the airport, or you got to get in the car and go there. Road trip, right? How many of you like the idea of a road trip? Yeah, I think a lot of us do. I mean, I know, uh, we already talked to you about this before, that my wife and I approach road trips differently. Um, but she's winning me over to just chilling out and just going on the trip. Um, but the reality is, if you want to get somewhere... You have to get on the road and go there. You with me on that? I mean, I'd ne I could look at those things in a book, or I can go see them. But if I'm going to go see them, I've got to get in the car and go. Well, our lives are a lot like that. The reality is, is that, you know, we can just bump along through life, and our life does take us somewhere. And uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, manipulate all the details and try to make everything fit here. But I do want you to understand this, that... When you look at, when you really understand your life the way, the way God says that it is, you realize that you're on a road trip. You need to be on a road trip. And when you forget that and you don't go on the trip, it's not good. And, and so today we want to start talking about that and, and considering what the Apostle Paul had to say about this, what God had him write about it. So let's go back to Philippians chapter 3, which we read earlier. And before I read, let me explain to you this chapter when he, when he gets here. He begins the chapter with some of those things, like I said, that might have seemed a little strange when he read it. But he's, he's warning people, you know, watch out for this and that, some things that are going to sidetrack you, things that are going to keep you from being where God wants you to be and ultimately where you want to be. These things are going to sidetrack you. And he starts talking about that the, the reality. Let me just say this up front, right? Okay. Man's approach to religion. Man's approach to the religion is an outside-in kind of thing. Right? Do this activity. Say this prayer. Do this good work. All of those things. Thinking that somehow or other, if we do stuff on the outside, it's going to change us on the inside. Has anybody besides me noticed that doesn't work? Yeah. When we try to change ourselves from the outside, it doesn't work. 
And so Paul's trying to set that up. It's not about an outside change, it's about an inside change. And it requires us to depend on God to do that work. But there are things we can do to cooperate with them. Now, how many of you have ever changed a diaper with a child who refused to cooperate? (laughs) How much fun is that, right? Well, we don't want to be that kind of Christian with God, okay? We need to cooperate with God when he's working in our lives. Tom's over here, like he's looking up, he's having some specific memory, which we don't want to know, okay? (laughs) So this is what the Apostle Paul is, is starting on, and he's actually going to share from his own life to help us understand this. So let's go back here. It's page 1350. We're going to start right down toward the end of verse 3. He's been warning them. It's not about this stuff. Now he's going to elaborate from his own life. He says, talks about, we rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now before I go farther, let me say to you, when, when he's talking about the flesh, he's not really talking about this stuff, okay? When we think flesh, flesh and blood, um, although I guess we, we do live in flesh and blood, right? It does affect us. When he's talking about flesh, he's talking about us operating independently from God. Us doing what comes natural to us. Our natural thinking, our natural abilities that, that you know, just from time we were conceived and born, things that we had by nature. And then that extends into what we do with those things, how we live our lives. So he's talking about functioning independently from God. I mean, you know you can believe there's a God and function independently of him? Sure you can, right? Oh yeah, I believe there's a God, I know there's a God, but you're functioning independently. You're doing your own thing. You're doing what makes sense to you. By the way, that's where man's religion comes from, doesn't it? So he says this, he says, we have no confidence in the flesh. How much confidence in the flesh? The the flesh operating independently of God, going by what comes natural, is never going to accomplish what needs to happen in your life. It's never going to do it. Don't put your confidence in it. Put your confidence in the one who can make changes in your life by changing your heart. So he continues, though he says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. And you can say, okay, let's, let's talk about this. If we think we're going to have confidence in the flesh, that we can do something that matters, listen, listen to what he says. He says, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Let me, he said, let me tell you what I did in the flesh. Let me tell you what I did independently of God. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Okay, and this was a requirement of the law. When a Jewish boy was born, on the eighth day he was to be sacrificed. That's what the the religious law said, and so he was. Of the tribe of Benjamin. He knows his lineage in the Jewish uh, tradition. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, how'd you... What might we say today? Uh, Okay, Patriots fan of the Patriots fans. You see what I'm trying to say? It's the one, you know, I was the extreme. I was into it. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Now, a lot of us know about it, but some of you may not. A Pharisee was a, a Jew who had an approach to his religion who... 
God gave laws in the Bible for the Old Testament, how these, the Jewish people were supposed to live. He gave them for lots of reasons, some of them to be symbols, some of them to be for their health, and some of it's just moral stuff that's still right and wrong today. Okay? So he gave them all that. But what the Pharisees did, they stayed and they said, you know what? This stuff is so important that we need to make a bunch of other laws about keeping those laws. All right? So if the law said, well, don't step off here and, and fall down the stairs. Anybody want to vote that I don't do that? Okay. They said it wasn't good enough to say, okay, don't fall down, don't step off here. Stay, stay back from the edge. They went back here. And they, they built a fence here, and a fence here, and a fence here, and a fence here. Okay? So it sounds good. But in reality, what they did was, was miss the point. Because they thought the most important thing was not stepping off here, when the really, reality, what was most important here is that you decided that, I love God, and I don't want to do what he, he says I shouldn't. It was a hard issue, see? So they missed the whole point. But he said, that's the kind of Jewish teacher I was. I was a Pharisee. I mean, you know, I followed the law, the law, the law, the law, the law. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Remember when before he became a Christian, he was out there dragging Christians into prison, even participating in having them put to death. He was serious about this, wasn't he? Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. In other words, if there's any righteousness that comes from the law, man, I did it. I, I was blameless in that. That's some strong flesh, isn't it? He took what came natural to him, what made sense to him, and he did it with everything that he could do it. And that's why he's saying, hey, if you want to talk flesh, let's talk flesh. I'll show you some flesh. And then he says this. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, did Paul used to think those things were gain? Did Paul used to think those things were important? They were so important, he devoted his whole life to it. And he says, all of a sudden, what, what happened in his life, and we could read the story there, uh, when Paul all of a sudden comes face to face with who Jesus really was and, and realized, you know, that he, Jesus was Lord and Savior, and, and everything changed for Paul. And all of a sudden he says, all that stuff I thought was so important all that stuff I thought was going to get me where I needed to be, all that stuff I thought was going to earn me a right relationship with God, all that stuff that just consumed my life, all of a sudden I realized, what a waste. Because it wasn't about Jesus. What a waste. Because it wasn't about the Lord. Now, was this religious stuff we're talking about? Yeah. So think about this. All this stuff that Paul said, I did for God. I did for God. My flesh. You know, I did this for God. But it's, and they realize it's nothing. It doesn't count. It was a waste. Now, I, I guess what I want us to, to see today, and I'll, I'll get more clear about it later, but is that we need to look at our lives. Because we could very easily have things in our lives like Paul had in his life. Now, they're not going to be the same as Paul's. I don't know of any Jewish guys here today. But we can still have things in life because I want you to think. There have been things in your life that you have. Well, can I back up? Can I roll the tape back? Okay. 
We all come into this world with that sinful nature, the broken nature, right? Selfish nature, our flesh, and we live that way. And, and we're, we're born with lots of probably competing things we can talk about, but really two really crucial things that matter to us. And, and two, these two things are this. The first, that I would feel accepted in love. I want to feel accepted. I want to be loved. Feel that. And the other is I want to matter. I want to be significant. I, I want to be important. Anybody out here not ever feel those things? Well, good. At least we're not, I don't need to preach on lying today. So the reality is that every one of us, and, and, and some of us struggle more with feeling accepted than important, and others of us struggle with feeling important and significant than we do accepted. And, and, but we all have some mix there. And so what we do is we take what comes natural to us, we take what makes sense to us, and we begin trying to construct this life that will make us feel okay. I mean, are you with me on this? Do you, understand, do you feel like that's true for you? And I would say to you as, as politely as I can, if you don't feel like it's true for you, it still is true for you. The reality is we all go through life doing that. Now, some of us have gone through life trying to take care of that in ways that everybody looks at and says, that's not going to work. You know, we, we do it through uh, some people steal things to do that. Some people you know, began drinking to do that, or drugs, that some people pursue it through uh, immorality, or I gotta have, we, we get it, those things don't work. But a lot of us have figured out how to do this in ways that look pretty respectable. Right? We've pursued a career. We've learned how to pattern ourselves on the outside so that people think we're okay and we don't have any problems. And, and maybe sometimes we've just built some walls some places because we're not going to let anybody make us feel like we aren't accepted or aren't important. And, and, but we learn how to do this. And, and all of us have done this in life at some level. We all do it by nature from the time you're little. You do it. And when we get older, we get more sophisticated in it. Just like the Apostle Paul did. But here's what you need to see. It's flesh. It's you, on your own, independent of God, whether you believe in him or not. It's you doing your own thing. Let's read another verse, and then I want to try to help you understand what that's really like and what that really means. So, verse 7 again, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed, and he's going to elaborate more, he says, I also count all things lost. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as what? Rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ. Now, it's interesting. This is the New King James, the Old King James. Does anybody remember what it says? I count them as dung. What is that? Well, don't say. It's manure. Right? That's what he said. When I compare what it means to live a life connected to Christ and, and him and me changing me and, and trying to live a life where I follow the Spirit of God and according to the Word, that other stuff is like the nice word, manure. 
garbage, rotting garbage. The waste. The waste that really doesn't smell very good. Right? You know, I think if you live around manure, you get used to the smell of manure. And that's fine in our world. In fact, it's very helpful if you're a farmer. <laughs> uh, but I don't know about you. I've gone to visit farm country, and I've been hanging out with the family there, and, and all of a sudden the wind direction changes, and I go, whoa. <laughs> it's like they don't even know. But that's, that's important for you to understand, because what I want you to see is that the flesh is like that. You can get used to the smell of it and not even notice it. And that's what I want to start to challenge you about today. And the, what this has to do with the road trip is this, that by nature you are living in flesh. By nature you have settled down in the flesh. You've built your world around you and tried to make that all work. That, what you need to do is you need to say, wait a minute, I don't belong here. I need to move on down the road out of this mess. And that's what the idea of a road trip is about here. We're going to go on a road trip over these four weeks. So, let me see if I can help you to understand this about it. So this is where, yeah, we, this is a rear view mirror on the car. It's a little dark, I know. But the idea is you want to be looking back at this stuff and say, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. I've been there. And to some extent, we'll, we'll be doing this our whole lives. Okay, we'll keep discovering some stuff. But we still want to recognize that that needs to be in the rear view mirror. That's where we're coming from. Imagine this situation. A flood. You know, places that are flooded, one of the things that happens, and is usually a bad problem, is the sewage system kind of gets backed up, and next thing you know, that flood water is filled with sewage. So imagine a, a warehouse with building supplies, okay? Uh, you know, two-by-fours, the carpet, even into the paint and everything that's been flooded. And that stuff has gotten saturated with it, soaked with it. The sewage. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. And so then the floodwaters finally recede, and, get it, and, and they just let the stuff dry out. And then you're going to buy the stuff and use it. What do you think? You all for that? Yeah, okay, so the sewage has already come up. You can see that. All right? So all of this stuff is now, wouldn't you say, permanently tainted? You know? I mean, it's soaked in. It's, it's the way it is. Well, this is the way it is in our life. The building materials of our life, our, us doing our things our own way, have been corrupted. It's flesh. And, and what I want you to get to see is that is way, the way flesh is. Anytime, how do I picture this for you here? If, if this is walking with God, okay? This is, when I say walking with God, some of you may not know what I mean. What I'm talking about is living your life, you know, with the conscious awareness of God and who he is and, and trying to do things his way and depending on him and trusting and letting him change you from the inside out. It's, it's very much a life about Christ. And this is where you're supposed to be. Every time in your life where you step over here, and, and uh, whether consciously or not, and take care of something on your own, it's that stuff. That's what flesh is. That's what the Apostle Paul said, right? Rotting garbage, dung, manure. Do you see it that way? 
The problem is, this can look real respectable, can't it? This can put on a suit. Look real nice. But it stinks. But you don't know it. Why don't you know it? Because you're used to it. You're used to living here. So that's the, the idea of flesh. And so now let's, let's continue this, this uh, analogy a little farther. So we have these building materials. Uh, go on to the next slide there. This, this, these building materials. And say, let's build a nice house with these building materials, okay? We're going to build this wonderful house with these building materials. And we put it all together and put it up and it looks like this. But what is the reality about this house? Go ahead, John. Oops. Oh, yeah. So if you build with these building materials, excuse me, you build with those materials, what's the reality about this house? you got a sewer house, don't you? And you're going to live in it, and you won't notice how bad it smells because you're used to it. But it's bad, isn't it? Somebody comes along to your house and goes, what? Okay, so that's about houses, but what about when you live this way in your own life, when you do your own thing separate from God, when it's flesh, what do you end up with? Not a sewer house, but a sewer life. See, I know someone's going to come home and say, I can't believe it, I went to that church and he told me I had a sewer life. What kind of stuff is that for him to say to me? But the reality is we don't see it, but that's, that's truth. Our lives live separate from God, our lives doing our own thing, our lives being satisfied with where we're at and not interested in looking at ourselves, not interested in letting God turn everything upside down. Can, uh, do you remember the story? Uh, some of you will. you remember the story when Jesus came into the temple and found all these people using the temple for their own profit and their own purposes? Remember what Jesus did? He turned over the tables and it says he had a whip and he drove them out. Now is that the Jesus you'd normally hear about? But the idea is this. He said, here in the temple, it's not supposed to be your own thing doing. You're not supposed to use the temple for your own purposes. Get it out of here. We need to be, by the way, when we trust Christ as Savior, we become the temple of God. God lives here. And we need to be willing from time to time to let him turn over the tables and mess our lives up. <laughs> That's inconvenient, isn't it? But see, when we aren't wanting to do that, we got this, this sewer life going on. We're living in the flesh. It's, it's a waste. It's not going to accomplish anything. So what do people do? What people do is now, okay, all right, I get that. Well, but I'm, so I'll start doing some good things. I'll do some great things for God. That's what the Apostle Paul did, right? And so you go through life and you think, well, you know what? I just put a $100 bill in the Salvation Army bucket. Woohoo. Or I'm giving to help this, or I'm doing whatever. You start doing all these works. Go to the next slide there, John. And you're building, you know, this, this great thing for God, right? But if you're doing it independently from God, you're doing your own thing, you're trying to set up your own righteousness, make it be okay in your life, you end up with sewer good works. And it stinks just as bad as all the other stuff does. Now, this should tell us something, first of all, about how, how do we have a relationship with God. How many of you, when you first got exposed to Christianity in the Bible and maybe came to church, how many of you at least had some place in the back of your mind that if you wanted to become a Christian, you had to become good? How many? 
Right, a lot of us thought that. But that doesn't work, does it? Because what that does is you say flesh, and so we try their flesh to become good enough, but all it is is what? Rubbish, dung, wasted, can't accomplish it. You can't change things from the inside out. And so becoming a Christian is not about becoming good. Becoming a Christian is about realizing you're not good on the inside. No matter what you look like on the outside. That you're selfish, that you do things your own way. You, we know we've all done those things. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. And you realize that, and then you understand. You, if, if you really get it, you say, oh, God, I am in trouble. I can't fix this problem. I've already blown it. I, and that's when you're in a great position with God. So if you walked in here today for the first time, you're thinking all these few folks got together. Most of these folks are here because they realized they were a mess and needed Christ. Well, God loved us so much, he sent his only son into the world to, to, in the Bible story, so in true story, when he dies on the cross and he's hanging there, God takes the penalty for my sin, penalty for your sins, penalty for the sins of the whole world, places them on Christ. Christ dies paying the penalty for those sins. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And his offer to us is this. If you'll come to, to grips with the truth and say, wow, I have sinned, I am a mess, my sins have separated me from God, and I realize if I don't do something about this, I'm going to hell. Then God says, if you'll come to that place and then say, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he is the Son of God. He died for my sins and rose again. I'm going to trust him. He paid the penalty for me. I'm going to, we sang the song, Jesus paid half of my sins. Three quarters? 99.9? Jesus paid it all. Okay, and so then when, when we come to that and we trust Christ as Savior, he comes inside, he, he forgives every sin, he comes to live within us, and he begins cleaning us up, and he begins helping us work out of sewer life, which is flesh. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And, and what, what my concern is this, that a lot of us have, have, are Christians uh, and if you aren't today, by the way, we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to help you understand how to trust Christ as Savior. But we're here as Christians, and we have gotten used to this whole mix of sewer life. There's still stuff there. And there'll always be something there. Let me tell you, I've said, okay, I'm a long ways down this road. If we start over here, you know, getting, you know, we're, we're born in sin, we come to Christ, we start living, and boy, my life has changed so much in so many ways, still is changing. But you know what happens every now and then? I, you know, I open up a closet and go, whoa, in my life. That's bad. And God has to work on it. So we're always going to be finding things that are leftovers. But we can make huge progress away from it. Huge progress we can make. Starts with trusting Christ. But what my challenge to you today as Christians, that's right, I want to get back to this, is that, that I ask God, what do I preach on? What do I talk to you about? And my concern is that things are going pretty well for us here. That's not a concern. Excuse me. That's the intro to the concern. Things are going pretty well for us here. I love our church. I love you guys. We get together, we love each other, and it's good. People come in and they can experience, wow, God's here and love's here. That's great. But you know what we do? We can just kind of settle down and start enjoying that, can't we? And stop going forward. And what I want you to say is we need to keep hitting the road. We need to keep moving out there. 
And so understand, I, I want you to see today what flesh really is like, and I want you to end up with where Paul is saying, Ugh, I don't want that anymore. I want what Christ has for me, not that flesh stuff. So Paul says in, in uh, Romans, he says this, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, me by nature, nothing good dwells. How much good dwells? Nothing. Nothing that is flesh, nothing that is independent from God, nothing that is not yielded to Him and, and the truth. It's never good. It's never good. There's no good in it. Nothing. Don't fool yourself. And then he lists, when, when we are... When we live this way in the flesh, I talked to you about it being sewer life. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians about this life. He says, when you follow the desires of your flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Now, it's not all about that stuff. Listen, we're all going to get hit. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and, can you read the rest of it with me? And other sins like these. Now, those, is that a pretty list? Is this what you'd like to have put on your tombstone, your gravestone? No, it's sewer life, isn't it? It's flesh. So I don't want you to think, you say, well, my flesh, you know, I'm respectable. I'm if it's not about Christ, it's not filled with Christ, it's flesh. There's only two choices. It's either about Christ or it's flesh. And don't we so often want to find it in between somewhere? Don't you want to? You guys are looking at me like you never want to. Amen. And so here's where this will live you, or leave, lead you. We're on this road trip. But if you don't go on the road trip, you're going to be stuck where you are. And Paul describes this life like this. At the end of chapter 7, Romans, he says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Flesh. It's dominated by sin. It's dominated by death. There's no life here. He says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, for you to experience that freedom in Christ, you have to realize something. You have to realize that you're not where you ought to be. Now, don't you think, oh, that's for those people who are really messed up. They're not where they ought to be. No. Do you understand that every one of us today is not where we ought to be? Anybody here perfect yet? No. Perfect in Christ? You got it all? No. So none of us are where we ought to be, are we? We aren't. Which is why we need to hit the road. And by the way, I want you to see, of course, the title of the sermon, and don't move the slide there, the title of the sermon is, you know, a road trip to a life that you'll be thrilled to live. That's what we're getting there in another sermon. But you've got to see that, that you're not where you ought to be. And so when we, we look in the rearview mirror, what we don't want to be thinking is that this is where I am now. Yep, this is me. I'm settled down here. This is where I'm... No, we want to move from where I am now to where I'm coming from. 
You get this today? And what I'm trying to say to you is every one of you, me included, needs to say, okay, wait, I'm not where I ought to be. I need to move down the road toward Christ and away from flesh. Toward Christ and away from flesh. More dependent on Christ, less self-sufficient. And we just could build that list. And so, but the only you're going to do this, you're going to have to hit the road. You're going to have to, to make some choices, make some decisions. And it will be a road trip to a life that you will be thrilled to live. So we get in the car. We hit the road. What's the question? Where are we going? Yeah, not are we there yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> But where are we going now? Okay, we're recognizing we don't want to stay here. This is sewer town. This is sewer life. This is sewer good works. Now we want to move on down the road toward Christ. Well, where are we going? Well, next week we're going to pick up there here in Philippians chapter 3. Next week we'll start looking at where I want to go. We can see in the rearview mirror where we're coming from. And next week we'll talk about where I want to go and what you're going to discover before we're done with this that you can take this trip to a life that you will be thrilled to live. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and that you speak to us from it. Lord, help us to see the truth about our lives on our own apart from you. Whether someone here today has never trusted your son as Savior and, and needs to do that, Father, I pray that they'll... Uh, Take some step to see that happen, whether they talk to one of us or they, they go look at our website. Uh, something, Father, please, I pray that they won't stay where they are, that right now they'd even say to you, God, I want to trust Christ as Savior. And for all of us here, Lord, today, that we will understand that we're not where we ought to be. And, and Lord, please drive it deep down in our souls how ugly flesh is, how much it smells. What a mess, an ugly mess it is. And plant that desire in our hearts to move away from the flesh to you. And not to be content where we're at. But to become a people, individually and together, whose lives are about you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.